How about another thrilling top 10 win for Ohio State? That's it. They've got number two in the bag this one over Penn State Saturday in a raucous horseshoe 20 to 12 over the Nittany Lions. The Buckeyes move to 7 and 0. They take, uh, no. Michigan and Ohio State take a little bit more control, pull ahead of Penn State there in the Big Ten East race. And there is so much to dive into that we will do that right now on Snap Judgment Day. Brought to you by Myers Auto. First and foremost, you asked for the crowd to be loud. Great job. Before we talk about football, they did that part. That's how this place is supposed to feel. It was loud every time Penn State was on the field. Truly a home field advantage, which I think sometimes people don't always get here uh, because the expectations are so high when you're playing against teams that kind of are crappy. It's hard to get all excited, but uh, great job today by by the by the people who stood, stood up here, over 105,000. I think the important thing, you mentioned Ohio State and Michigan kind of pulling ahead a little bit here. Why has it had to win today? Uh, because if things break the way that I think a lot of people believe the Big Ten can, which is Penn State beating Michigan in, in Happy Valley, Michigan beating Ohio State, Ohio State now holds the key. Because Ohio State in that scenario, that tiebreaker scenario, I don't know why, I don't know how, but Ohio State would win the Big Ten East. And so this was vital today for Ohio State. And you could feel at times that maybe they were a little tight, especially with some of the offensive play calling. You could tell maybe Ryan Day wasn't like feeling confident that the offense could get done what it needed to get done. But every time that happened, they just ran the defense back out there and holy moly, what a performance. Now, Penn State did not go over 200 yards on the game until the final drive of the game, which I think at that point, a lot of the Ohio State defenders, I think thought the game was over after the fourth and 30 stop. Yeah. Um, and then Ryan Day decided to just run it into the line three times without trying to get a first down. And Penn State still had two and a half minutes to go when they got the ball back, so that was a little confusing. But, um, I mean, it is hard for Ohio State fans, I think, and myself included. Sometimes, like, you're so used to the offense being the reason you win a football game. But, boy, oh, boy, it's fun to just watch a good old defensive aspect. Uh, yeah, that's one word for it. He's Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. And I think it's funny how, how – uh, seemingly quickly over the course of Ohio State history that you can be detrained, untrained, trained not to think the way that you were before. Like this was not a program historically was like gonna go out and roll out 50, 60 points every single week. And you know, I have mentioned like the 20, 2002 season and writing it out and all that stuff. Like that used to be well worth celebrating. It doesn't matter as long as you win every one. And I think that there is some part of this that has to be embraced because if you have Penn State came in as the number one defense in the country or depending on the metrics, Ohio State, I think, stamped the flag that this could very well be the best defense in the country. They certainly were the best defense on this field today in the horseshoe. And there's nothing wrong with winning that way. I know Ryan Day's kind of joking about it with me in, in, in the post game, like, are you okay with this? Like, he does not care. Like, he does want to score more points. That's his job. That's why he was hired to Ohio State in the first place. But this makes it easier for Ohio State if they know that they can count on a defense start to finish the way that they did today. That was one of the more remarkable third down streaks that you're ever going to see. Yeah, Penn State was 0 for 15 at one point. They get one on the final drive of the game. It was all three levels of the defense today as well. That was the thing. There, I mean, you saw what Penn State did early, right? They, they gave the ball to Nick Singleton and he gashed him a couple times in that first quarter. And then Kudos to James Franklin and Mike Harrison. Just didn't give the guy the ball the rest of the game for some reason. He had seven carries um, for 50 yards, and I'm not entirely sure why they stopped, but that's all right. It felt very like uh, Lane Kiffin in 2014 against Alabama, <laughs> where he's like, hey, you, you have this Derrick Henry guy giving the ball. I'm like, eh, that's cool. 
we'll let Blake Sims do the work. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about James Franklin and big game James and his historic mismanagement <laughs> against Ohio State. But he wasn't the only one. I mean, you, you had things today. I think a lot of people were expecting Ohio State, once they get the ball back at the end of the first half, 50 seconds to go, three timeouts. Old Ryan Day says, go for it. Go for it. Pedal to the middle. But then it's fourth and two or fourth and three at the three yard line, which I would have been fine going forward on fourth and one from the goal on the one yard line. But once you lost two yards on, on third down, you got to take the field goal and go up third. You go up seven, seven points, like whatever. But um, generally speaking, I think it's funny or not funny, maybe not the right word. It's interesting to watch Ryan Day evolve into a coach that is okay with saying, we won 20 to 12. Hollywood. Yeah, I think maybe maybe you and I don't entirely see this the same way. Maybe we do. It feels like there could be room for debate. Like, I, there's a case to be made that through seven games, you kind of know what the team is. There's only so much more improvement that you can have. But that's also potentially still half of the season in front of Ohio State. So was Kyle McCord perfect with his accuracy start to finish today? Definitely not. The first half was a little rough. It seems like that's his MO all year. So he was much better in the second half. First half, there were there was the, the Mayan Williams touchdown drive where it looked like the offensive line was gashing dudes their big holes. And then there was also regressing back there in the second half and not able to finish out that drive in the red zone. It's like, again, it's another week where you can say, well, up and down, are they going to ever become the offense that you know, Ryan Day has built in the past? And, I mean... I still think that it's out there for them. It is fractionally off. You mentioned it. you asked Kyle McCord about it, so I'll let you dive into this in a second. Like, I don't think there's like any reason to say Ohio State can't become that. And if they still can, man, it's really scary because of this defense. Just, at some point, you'd have to say enough. It's been long enough. They're never gonna fulfill that this course of the year. But I can see that. That it's close. I have a tough time saying it's we've reached that point because we still haven't really seen this offense fully operational and healthy with McCord getting the reps and the experience. Like they were healthy against Notre Dame, but you were watching a kid in his first road start, like all the things that went into that game. I asked Kyle that question because in my mind I was thinking, what does this look like today with the Mecca Booker out there? What does this look like? with Travion Henderson and the ability to have that little home run threat. The, the first drive of the game for Ohio State, you see Chip train him on that little screen pass. That's a touchdown if Travion Henderson's in the game. That's probably to, to the house. Um, it, there are, other, you know, but it, as you said, it's just fraction. There's a, a, a slant that uh, Kyle McCord threw Marvin Harrison in the second quarter where if it's on time or if it's accurate, it's probably a 65-yard touchdown pass to, to Marvin Harrison. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, uh, first quarter first screen. Quarter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just have a little bit of things where you're like, man, you just you have to get better, but you also can't look at a game like this and be disappointed because Penn State came into this game number one or number two or number three in every single defensive category in college football. I know they haven't played a, a murderer's row of opponents, but that's still you're still playing college one athletes, uh, division one athletes, college football players, and dominating them. Uh, Ohio State's defense was the better defense today. And, and I, I think it's important to understand Penn State is a really talented football team. They lose Chop Robinson, who's probably the best edge rusher in the Big Ten, and they replace him with five-star prospect uh, Danny Dennis Sutton. So, like, it's not like you have a guy out there who's like, oh, well, we lost our best player, now we can't. Like, there were, this is a really talented roster that Penn State has. 
I know people will may scoff at it because Michigan is so much better right now than pretty much everyone in the Big Ten week in, week out. Penn State is the second most talented roster in this league. And for Ohio State, the Ryan Day said it post game. There's NFL guys all over that team in Penn State. And when it comes down to these matchup games, you just gotta get out of here with the win. So it's hard to find reasons to be upset with the way this one went. Yeah, you want the running game to be better, yeah, you want Common Court to be cleaner in the first half, but Penn State's, you know, Got yeah, you and you mentioned Burn. What it would look like if Ohio State was fully healthy? They were not. There was a little bit of you know back and forth going on with Travion Henderson, that, that upper body injury that has now kept him out for three weeks. He was as of last you know on Friday night, he was ruled out. Somehow he was upgraded to questionable this morning. Uh, didn't wind up playing anyway. Emeka Buka with the ankle, he tried to give it a go. We saw him working out uh, with two trainers at about nine thirty. Two and a half, three hours before the game. He's still fully dressed. And, and they both dressed. Unusual. Yeah, which, but they were not, they were unavailable. They put on the uniforms and go out there. They, I never saw them with their helmet. Uh, so they were not able to go. So those were two key pieces. Denzel Burke did not play either. So you talk about replacing one stud with another one on the on the rise. Jermaine Matthews, holy cow. I asked Jordan Hancock just because Jordan Hancock, more than probably anybody on the defense right now, especially Ryan Day talks about the veteran. Uh, nature of this defense, but it is really bolstered by the class of 2021, which is JT Tumor, Jack Sawyer, Michael Hall, Tyler Williams, uh, Denzel Burke. Like all these guys are in that class, and so you're getting an opportunity to see a lot of guys who are third year guys making a lot of plays. Jordan Hancock is one of those players, but unlike Denzel and Jack and JT and Tyler, like he didn't play a lot last year because of injuries. And I asked, like, how knowing what you know. How impressive is what Jermaine Matthews is doing? Just as a true freshman, being put out there in this situation and clamping dudes down. And he had, I mean, there's a, there's a couple plays in this game that I think were instrumental to the final offer. One of them was Penn State dumped a little tight end, a little tight end dump off, where Josh Proctor made a bad tackle attempt on a third and 10, and, or third and 15, and Jermaine Matthews tackles the six foot five, two hundred sixty pound tight end. That's a huge play. Like that's a huge play. And, and to be in the right spot, to be physical, like that's hard for a true freshman to do. And, uh, Jordan said, you know, there is no limit to where things are going for, for Jermaine Matthews. They believe he will be the next great one. Next one. We made it this far without talking about the actual stars of the game. We should probably end that disservice now. Marvin Harrison Jr. Still very good at football. 11, 162, and the game-clinching touchdown there in the fourth quarter. Two years in a row that he has absolutely sliced through Penn State. Jerry Emmett dropped his stat in the postgame, so now that's 21 catches for Marvin Harrison in the last year against Penn State. 20 have gone for first downs. 21 catches, 340 yards, and 20 first downs. I asked him, were you surprised? Because Penn State wanted to come out and play some man against him. And I said, were you surprised that they played man? And he said, no, they're always confident in their corners. I'm not sure why they wouldn't. And I said, what about the 10 catches for 180 a year ago? Is that not enough of a reason to maybe not do that? He's like, well, they're luck. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, he's incredible. Um, and, you know, the touchdown obviously is the big one today, the, the, the game sealer. But uh, when you're a young quarterback, and I keep saying young quarterback for Calvin Court because in the big picture, he still is. To have that guy there changes everything. Like, 
there's maybe not a better recipe for Kyle McCord right now. You have a defense that allows you to not be perfect and, and still win games. And you have a guy like Marvin Harrison who, when all else fails, you can just throw it to Mark. Yeah, um, that's that's a pretty good offensive game plan in those situations. He is an alien, and he continued that. JT Tuimolo might be from another planet as well. He also had a massive game against Penn State for the second year in a row. The stats aren't as uh, otherworldly as they were in Happy Valley, but he had a huge sack in the fourth quarter that had this place erupting. It was really like, all right, this this is in the bag for Ohio State. That's going to be the ball game. Uh, still got a little closer because of the wonkiness that Vern mentioned, but he was just a game back, and there's no higher compliment that you can pay. Four sacks for Ohio State, all by the defensive line. I'm sorry, three by the defensive line. You get Caden Curry with the sack, Kenyatta Jackson with the sack, JT Tumaloa with the sack. Like, it's nice to see these guys getting an opportunity to play and making an impact because that's how Larry Johnson will learn to trust them, is when you see Caden Curry and Kenyatta in there. Kenyatta Jackson played a lot early in this game um, when Ohio State, you know, which was sort of weird because that's when Penn State was running the ball well. And you're like, that's an odd time to change it, but I guess it, it turned out all right. Um, they did such a remarkable job getting to the alley up front. Um, a back day from the linebackers, Tony Eichenberg led the team to tackle to a chance to Corey Simon making plays. Uh, it's just, it's probably, I mean, it's by far the most complete defensive performance we've seen since the 2019 season. And I think that they're just figuring out how good they can, which it should be scary for the rest of the team. Yeah, it's another. When you do it in these high leverage matchup game situations, like what that did for Kyle McCord at Notre Dame, what this this will be validation for the defense as they get ready for this home stretch. It's already tempting, it's in the back of our mind. I was thinking, well, boy, how is Michigan, even with all they've done on the ground, like how is this gonna work? How are they gonna find success? We're gonna resist that now, I'm gonna try and do better. There's a matchup next week on the road against Wisconsin that must come first, but I think after today, like, the, this is setting up for a classic. And if the last couple of years have been marred by questions about toughness, questions about the defense, the ability to get third down stops, doing what Ohio State did against Penn State today, boy, should that quiet a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, there again, there's plenty of time to nitpick down the road of, of the little things, and Ohio State will do that. Ryan Day will find the tape and figure out what exactly they did wrong on offense, why they couldn't capitalize in the red zone again. Uh, obviously, you, you saw the, the effort with Devin Brown in there to, to have that sort of balance the offensive attack. And it did a good job. He ran his ass off, pardon me, uh, on that, uh, that the play he got hurt on. A but, rolled ankle, according to Ryan Day, so it looked like it could have been worse. He was taking on a park upstairs, and, and to your point where I'm like, you know, I, I I still would say I'm not a massive fan of rotating quarterbacks, but it was definitely effective when Devin Brown was in there, so you'd have to say that's a positive. They wanted to use it in the four-minute drill. Which would have been nice because, as I said, I think the defense thought the game was over when they got the ball back with four minutes to go, and then they had to go back out there. I know that I watched Caden Curry walk off the field after the Penn State touchdown, and he was furious. That's the kind of thing that I don't think we've seen in the last couple of years. Those guys were very upset when they gave up touchdowns. Kudos to Caden Saunders, a Columbus kid from Penn State, coming into the horseshoe and catching a touchdown. That's pretty awesome. I guess if there's one Penn State guy that can catch it, I'd, I'd like it to be Caden. Um, You're so generous. Yeah, I think, you know what's weird? This is going to sound great. I think the play of the day was Jesse Marco hitting a 70-yard punt. 
when the I thought for sure he stepped out of bounds. I was watching him like as he caught it, and then he don't step out of bounds, don't step out of bounds. But for him to hit it, because his previous punt was not good, not good. Uh, and steps up and hits a 70 yard punt to change field position and completely change what Penn State had intended to do at that point. And uh, that was a huge play that I, you know, we don't talk about the punt, but. It's 2002 all over again, baby. I do, baby. I've been, <laughs> I'm living 2002. I said all week. Andy Grew, baby. Special teams. Yeah. Punt is the most important play. And, and Burr, well, he's there with me. It was, it was. Uh, that was a game-changing play uh, for the offense. You know, the Buckeyes get the ball at the seven-yard line uh, or ten-yard line and move the ball 20 yards and then go backwards 20 yards. And then what oh, the world boys, is going on here? Talking about nitpicking, another, another penalty. And then follow that up with the holding. Was it was it a false start? Yeah, they got the first down, right? And then you know, it seems like every time they commit the false start or legal formation, it's right after a first down. I can't figure out what is going on. It's always when they seem to be ready to go ten, which maybe the guys just get excited because most of the time the offense is just going like waiting twenty five seconds. I don't know, but like it, it definitely feels that they are getting ready to go tempo at that moment, and that's when. The bad things happen. Well, that's the end of the nitpick session because a nit beating is what truly matters. Ohio State gets the Nittany Lions 20 to 12 in the horseshoe on Saturday. They are 7 and 0. Not, they're just crushing Big Ten East dreams in here as they did to Maryland a couple weeks ago. Huge win, and they go on the road next week uh, to face a team out west uh, at Wisconsin, a primetime game at Camp Randall. So, looking forward to. Week number eight, game number eight for Ohio State. Full coverage of that coming on the podcast. We'll have some snap judgments there as well. They're brought to you by Buyers Auto. If you're looking for you or used car, the best place to go is Buyers Auto. 20 to 12, Ohio State's a winner. He's Burr. I'm awesome. Talk to you later.